Hey, we thought it would be appropriate to take just a moment and honor all the people, the men and women in our armed services, many of whom over the past uh, centuries and decades and even days and months have given their lives for our freedoms. Freedoms like the one we're experiencing today where we can get together and celebrate Jesus and our religion without any sense of persecution. As you know, freedom comes with a cost, and it's these brave men and women who have paid the price for us to enjoy this freedom that we have. And I know it's not Veterans Day, but I thought it might be appropriate to just, uh, if we could, honor the men and women who might be associated with our congregation who are serving or have served in their lives. So if you're that person, if you're a man or woman who has served in one of the armed services, would you just stand for just a moment just so we can see who you are? There's a couple in the back. There's some in the front. You guys want to give them a hand and say thank you. Guys and ladies, we really are appreciative for the sacrifices that you made, spending time away from family when you could have been doing other things. Like many of us, you sacrificed your freedom of choice and time to go out and serve our country, and we really, really appreciate it. Hey, I don't have a good transition from that to holding a chainsaw, so I'm just going to go straight to it. (laughs) I tried to come up with one all night. There was nothing to do. Um, Coming up, uh, this coming week, I think next Monday or Sunday or so, June 5th is my anniversary with my wife. We will have been married 19 years. Is that right? (laughs) 19 years. And uh, for 19 years now, or 18 years and 11 months and uh, 51 weeks, I've wanted a chainsaw, and my wife never bought me one until last week. She bought me this chainsaw, and it's I think it's my favorite gift I ever got. I felt like a man when I opened up the box that she bought for me. It's an 18-inch, for those of you who are wondering, 45cc engine, and uh, it's very powerful. I needed it to cut down a tree in my backyard that was dead. I had an old elm tree that had gotten Dutch elm disease, I understand, something like that. And uh, anyhow, I'd been dead for a couple years. I was afraid it was going to fall on the neighbor's property, and so I needed the chainsaw. Finally had a good reason to buy one. So Amy bought me this thing, and uh, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about chainsaws, which is a little scary, and I probably should have paid to have someone cut down the tree. Uh, it probably would have been as cheap as buying the chainsaw, plus I wouldn't have gotten hurt, and uh, it would have been a lot better in the long run. But last Sunday afternoon, right after the hailstorm, I jumped outside with my chainsaw, and I started cutting down this elm tree, and the elm tree was a, it's a good-sized tree. It was about six feet up before it split out into two major branches Each one of those branches were probably, I don't know, 14, 15 inches in diameter. So one of the branches, the one on on my right-hand side, leaned off a bit. And so I figured it was the easiest place to start. So I cranked up my chainsaw, which I promised everyone in the tech booth I would not do today. I'd planned to, but I won't do that. And I started, and I cut from the top down, cut that little branch or big branch right off of there, and it fell to the ground, and I felt so manly. It felt terrific. And then I had a little dilemma because the rest of the tree was standing. It's, I don't know, 60, 65 feet tall, and the biggest bulk of the tree was still left. And I don't know how to cut down trees. The first part was simple enough. And so I figured I would do the second part like the first part. And so I fired the chainsaw back up, and I started at the, uh, the, the, the tree, not like they do on Axemen at all. I've been watching that in preparation for this. But evidently, I didn't learn anything. So I started, I got the engine all revved up, it was feeling great, and I start cutting right into the tree like this. And those of you who have cut down trees before know I probably already made a major mistake. And about, 
I don't know, halfway into the tree. I guess the tree got top heavy and it came down on top of the chainsaw. And, and it just stalled out. It's like, and nothing's spinning, nothing's cutting. And my new chainsaw is stuck in the elm tree. And it's all, you know, I'm afraid it's going to get bent up and messed up. And I'm saying things probably that pastors shouldn't be saying when they're doing anything, much less cutting down trees. And there I was with my new chainsaw that I've wanted for 19 years, stuck, pinched in between the weight of the tree that was trying to fall but couldn't because I'd cut it all completely wrong. As I was thinking about what I wanted to chat with you about today, I was thinking about my experience last Sunday afternoon with the chainsaw. And I was looking and thinking about all the next bold steps that have been taking taken in this congregation over the last six years or so, and in particular, the next bold steps that were taken last week. And I had a thought as I've been investigating my own life and as I have talked with some of you about your lives that I think sometimes in life we kind of pinch out the activity God would like to do in our lives because we don't have any margin in our lives. See, the thing you're supposed to do with a chainsaw when you cut down a tree, I found out later when I went back and looked on the internet at YouTube for some instructions on how to cut down a tree, is you're supposed to cut out like a wedge first on one side of the tree that allows for a gap so that the tree can know which way to fall, so that when you come back into the tree from the back side, nothing gets pinched off. There's room for everything to move the way it's supposed to move. There's, there's margin for the chainsaw to work the way it's supposed to work. However, when you do it poorly like I did, there's no margin for the chainsaw to work. And so even though it's powerful and it's a 45cc engine and it's supposed to be able to cut down this elm tree with no problem at all, if you don't have any margin for the chainsaw, the chainsaw cannot work. And I wonder how many of us have enough margin in our lives for God to work the way he wants to work in our lives. I know for me personally, a lot of times I don't. I know last week, we had something like 210 people sitting in this room take one of three next bold steps last Sunday. You either said that you wanted to pray boldly. Maybe you said that you wanted to serve boldly. boldly, And some of you said that you wanted to give boldly. And I know that if you're like me, last Sunday when you were sitting here, you had the best intentions in the world to leave here and act on the things you said you wanted to do. I also know that statistics being what they are and life being what it is, that several of you, while you left here with the greatest intentions to do what you said you wanted to do, several of you, like me, I said I wanted to pray boldly, never really got around to it last week. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands because that would be embarrassing and probably make us want to stop doing bold steps altogether, so we won't do that. But probably if you're honest with yourself and if you felt like you could be honest with us, several of you wanted to do something, you had good intentions to do something, yet when life started to happen, you probably found out like I did, sometimes there's just not enough margin for God in your life. And so what I wanted to talk with you today about are some things that you might try out to try to create some margin in your life. I like to call it a theology of rest. I know this is the time of year when things get crazy for people. It's been crazy for us as a church because we've moved locations from the old Zion Global Building over here to the Raven. That takes a lot of work, and many of you, dozens and dozens and dozens of you, have helped us do that. And you helped us do that while the rest of your life was happening, just like those of you who weren't helping us do it. You had things going on. You had wives to take care of who can be very, very needy. 
You have husbands to take care of who can be even needier than wives. And if you're fortunate enough to have kids, oh my gosh, they can be so needy, can't they? I have three kids, and it seems like all I do from the minute I step in the door is take care of kids. And I know my wife feels the same way, so I don't know what we're doing wrong, right? We're always taking care of something. Outside of wives and husbands and kids, you have extended family members. Sometimes they go through things, and you need to be there for them. Sometimes if you're like a grandma or a grandpa, you're the default babysitter, and so you have not your kids to take care of, but your grandkids or someone else's kids to take care of. You have your jobs, which can be very demanding. Many of you work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and then you will even volunteer on top of that at church or other civic organizations to do things. If you're a student, you have school, and this time of year is absolutely nuts because you have exams, and if you're a senior, you're getting ready to graduate, and so you have parties to go to, and then you have your own party, and your parents have a car to buy you, which is the typical gift if you're graduating high school and you haven't got one. You should know that. Just tell them the pastor said that. And uh, it should be at least, at least no more than three years old is kind of the, the, the range of car to buy. Anyhow, there's a lot of things going on in our lives, and I just had the thought as I was reflecting on this week and what I thought God would have me say to this congregation that sometimes we don't have enough margin in our lives for God to do what he wants to do. And God wants you to have margin because he wants to do things in your life. And so I'm going to talk with you today about three things you might try that might create some margin in your life, and none of them are going to be all that radical. You've thought through them before. You might have even thought through them this week. And yet while they are simple concepts, oftentimes they're really just hard to do. But what I want you to do today is I want you to hear them. I want you to, if you can, maybe just jot a couple notes down when the one thing kind of sits in your mind that the Holy Spirit presses on you. Maybe write that down. And I want you to consider actually doing one of these three things this week. This is the kind of thing that doesn't get talked about in church a lot, especially a church like ours that is so volunteer-driven. I mean, we would die without volunteers. On the very first Sunday here at the Rave, we met just outside of these doors, and I didn't get to count, but someone told me on Tuesday morning at staff meeting, there were over 70 people here just before 7 a.m. to make sure that this church could happen. There's a lot of things going on, but I want you to consider this week what you can do to begin to create some margin in your life so that the next best thing that God has for you, which is a series we've been talking about, the next best thing God has for you can actually happen in your life. You see, My fear as one of the pastors of this church is that whatever that next best thing is that God has for your life, whatever that next next best thing God has for us as a congregation, I'm afraid we're going to miss out on it. I'm afraid that, as it were, the analogy kind of breaks down, but God's going to be working in our lives just like my chainsaw was working in the life of that elm, and somehow we're going to pinch him out because we just don't have the space for him to work. And I don't want that for you. I don't want it for me. I don't want it for my wife. I don't want it for my kids. I don't want it for you as individuals in this congregation who are aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and sons and daughters and moms and dads. And I don't want it for our church because God has great plans for us. You can, if you've been around, you can kind of sense that there's something building in the air here at Four Corners And whatever it is great that we're doing now is just kind of like a glimpse of what God wants to do in our congregation. And I'm just looking out right now 
third week into the rave, and we have more people sitting in the room than we had the first two weeks. The reality is, if I were to do the count, we're probably getting very close to 70% capacity, which means we're going to have to be thinking about how do we create more room for more people. That's a good problem to have. That's kind of a best-is-yet-to-come kind of scenario because we want more people to come here and hear about God and have their life transformed by His power and His love, and we want them to do it right here in this church. And yet my fear as a pastor is I just kind of get a pulse on this church is that I'm afraid we don't have enough margin for that to happen. And so today, I want you to leave here with the goal of creating some margin in your life if you feel like you don't have any. And if you feel like you do have some, then we're happy for you. Give us a few minutes here for those of us who don't and let us talk to each other about how we might begin to create some margin in our lives. There are a variety of different things that kind of pull at you when we're talking about margin. And I want to just identify some of them because as I'm talking through them, you might find that one of these different types of margin might be the one that kind of pulls at you the most. And so maybe this is, there's a word here that you want to jot down that's kind of a descriptive word about the type of margin that might be pulling at you. And in case you've missed it, what I mean when I say margin is margin is kind of that space between what your overall best capacity would be if you were like, firing on all eight cylinders in life and you were doing all that you possibly could get done. That's like your, your, your upper end capacity. And then you have like just below that, hopefully somewhere, all the things that are pulling at your capacity. So you have things pulling at your time. You have things pulling at your money. You have things pulling at your emotions, things pulling at your energy. And margin is that gap between what you could do on your best day if you could always fire that quickly and do that well and kind of where you're at at any given moment, that's margin. And the point of what I'm trying to get at today is that you need some space in between those two things on a regular basis so that when God wants to kind of up, up the value of the things that are pulling at you, you can have some space for him to work. There are four areas of margin that I want you to consider which one might be pulling at you the most. One of them is simply time margin. And I think time, even more than money, might be the most precious commodity in suburban life today. It seems like time is a thing that just constantly gets chipped at and gets pulled at by every single area of life, whether it's family or relationships, uh, outside of family or jobs or civic organizations or church. It seems like everyone wants just a little piece of your time, even, even more than they want a little piece of your money. Now, church is odd. We want both, and we want your attendance, and we want you here every time the door is open, right? So we want it all, but it seems like time is that one thing that no matter where you're at, everyone wants a little piece of time. It's really easy in 2011, living in the suburbs, trying to live the life that the Joneses are living, to run out of time margin. And so I want to talk with you a little bit about that today. There's also kind of emotional margin, This is one that I think I struggle with some, even though I'm a man and I guess we're not supposed to have emotions. I struggle with kind of the emotional side of feeling like I've got a lot to do and yet not being able to achieve all that I want to achieve. And so there's this constant emotional struggle I fight between what I have to do and what's not being done. And I kind of wear that more than a time issue. I wear it kind of emotionally. And so a lot of times it looks like this. I'll go to bed, and I'll lay down, and I can't sleep because my mind is churning with all the things that I need to get done. Maybe you struggle with some emotional margin issues. It's not always just emotions around things you need to get done. Maybe if you're not like me, maybe you just struggle with wearing the weight of all the burdens of the people you know. 
We were reading through prayer requests this past Tuesday as a staff. Man, it seems like a lot of just junk is happening in the life of our congregation. It seems like there's an abnormal amount of cancer at work in our congregation. So we spent some time just praying against cancer and that God would just kind of protect those of us here from that sickness. Not just in our congregation, but in like extended family in cancer. Just all kinds of requests about that. Job situations still for the last two years or so. Prayer requests every week about someone losing a job or afraid they're going to lose a job or something around instability with jobs and money. It's, those are the kinds of things that can, can pull at you emotionally. And if you're the type of person that wears that, it could be that you have all the time you need in the world to get done the things you need to get done, and yet the emotions just kind of drag you down and you don't feel like doing anything, much like the song that we started out with, the lazy song. Sometimes you just need a break and you don't want to do anything. Maybe, like I talked about, there's a time capacity issue, which we'll spend some more time talking about that. And some of you might just have energy capacity issues. Maybe it's a product of physical fitness. Maybe it's a product of lack of sleep, which could be a time margin issue or an emotional margin issue. But maybe you're in a situation where that energy that you know you should have to be able to get home and play with your kids, you feel like you just don't ever have it to give. And so I'm wondering if you would take a moment and just to consider, if you're struggling with margin in your life, which type of margin is it that's really eating at you the most? Is it a time margin issue? Is it a money margin issue? Is it an energy margin issue? Or is it an emotional margin issue? And no matter which one it is, I want to give you three practical things you might try that might help you out no matter which type of margin issue it is that you have. And all of these are things that come straight from God's word, but a lot of times they get looked over because often they're kind of little parts of the Bible that are in between some of the better stories. And I want to take just a moment and look kind of in between the cool stories at some of the things God's people were doing that I think allowed them to have some margin for God to work in their life that we might not have picked up on before. So the first one comes from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard these verses before, and you've probably heard them talked about in a slightly different way, but I want to maybe bring a new perspective on them for you. Here's what this says in Acts chapter 6. Now, what's happening here is Jesus has died. He has resurrected. He has gone back up into heaven, and he's left to his followers the commission, the job of going out and telling the world, the story that Jesus died, he raised again, and he is the Savior for you and for your sins. And so that's what the early church is trying to do. So they've been working hard, and here's a little snippet of a story that's happening in Acts chapter 6. It says, During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, so things were going well, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, the Hellenists, towards the Hebrew-speaking believers, the, the Jewish people, because the Greek-speaking widows were being discriminated against in the daily food line. Evidently, the widows, the people who couldn't make their own way in life, there were these food lines, and the Greek-speaking people, the kind of new people to the Christian faith, they felt like their widows were being discriminated against, that there are some favorites being played. So the twelve called a meeting of the disciples. The leadership got together, and they said, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So, friends, choose seven men from among yourself, uh, who, uh, from among you who you trust, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, 
and we'll assign this task. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned task of prayer and speaking God's word. Here's the first way that you might want to consider creating a little bit more margin in your life. I want you to know that according to the Bible, it's perfectly okay for you to say no to good things so that you can do better things. It's okay for you to say no to good things so that you can do better things. You see, taking care of the widows was a good task. That was something that needed to be done. They could not fend for themselves, and so they needed to be fed. And yet there were some leaders, some people in the group who had been helping take care of the widows, and yet the task of telling the world about Jesus had become so large that they couldn't get it all done. And so they made a decision. We could keep trying to do everything pretty well. We could stay in the lines with the widows, and we could continue to try to preach and pray and tell people about Jesus and his gospel. Or we could say no to something that was good, that still needed to be done, so that we could pursue what we feel like is a higher priority in our lives, so that we could pursue something we feel like God called us to specifically And so that's exactly what they did. On a very practical basis, they kind of split responsibilities. But outside of this idea that there needs to be delegation from leadership and different people need to pull their different weight, imagine if you were the leader who had to make that decision how you would feel. I think you would feel like a lot of us feel on a very regular basis. You've got some things going on in your life that are keeping you busy, and constantly it seems like people are trying to ask you to do more. And I want you to know from God's word, it's perfectly okay for you to say no to something, even if it's something good, even if it's something worth doing, even if it's something that someone needs to be doing, it might not be the thing that you need to be doing. Some of us just need to get really good at the word no when someone asks us to give them some of our margin. If someone asks you for some of your money margin, some of us need to get good at saying no to things that are good, like Girl Scout cookies. I mean, honest to God, if you can't hardly afford to make your rent payment, stop buying the wrapping paper. Maybe you need to get good at saying no to things like giving to special missions organizations if you can't afford to pay your grocery bill. You don't have to feel bad that you can't support with your money every little thing that comes around if that's really not where you are at in life. It's okay to say no to good things so that you can pursue something better. God wants for you financial freedom, and so you might have to say no to things along the way. Some things that are really good and nice and might be perfectly okay, and someone else needs to support them. You might need to get really good at saying no to things that pull on your time, even if it's the church. Some of you just serve too much without a break, and some of you don't serve enough, and we'll get to that sermon a little bit later, not today. But some of you serve too much, and it's taking away from important things. And while serving at the church is good, there might be some better things that you need to pursue, like time with your family or time with your spouse. And I want you to know that it's okay to say no to something good when you need to pursue something better. Some of us need to get really good at using the word no. You can't do everything. You can't support everyone. You can't be there for every friend in need. Even though someone needs to be, it doesn't always have to be you. So get good at using the word no. The second thing I want you to know is that it's perfectly okay to rest for a season. It's okay to take a break. Memorial Day is like the perfect weekend to be talking about this because many of us 
are going to get Monday off. And if you're a little bit like me, you're already starting to feel guilty about that because the task of things to do is so large that one day off seems like a complete and total waste of your assets. But I don't want to let you know that God ordained rest or vacation or taking a break. You know the story of creation where God worked for seven day, or six days and he takes a break on the seventh. It's kind of the cycle that God wants us to, to make part of our lives. There's a really cool story, though, that I want to get through quickly in 1 Kings. And I'm going to kind of skip around, guys, so do your best to follow me just because I'm getting tied on time. But this is the story of Elijah, who you may know if you've been around church for a while. Let me give you the quick background. Elijah is the prophet of God. He's the good guy. And then there are these other prophets. And the land that Elijah's living in is going through a drought. And so there is this big contest between God's people and not God's people about whose God is stronger and whose God is going to send the rain. So Elijah is leading the, the prophet. He is the prophet for God. And long story short, go back and read it in 1 Kings chapter 18 if you want. Elijah wins. He beats out the prophets uh, for the false god. In fact, at the end of the chapter, it's really cool because he takes them all to a valley and he kills them all, which is good reading. And then we find out in chapter 19 that the king of the land that is experiencing the drought, he and his queen, the queen in particular, is ticked off at Elijah. And in fact, she says she's going to find him and kill him. She gets word back to him and says, if the sun comes up before you're dead, then basically I failed. I'm going to kill you. So Elijah is just all out of sorts. Now, the thing you might not know about the Elijah story is there's still a lot of good stuff about to happen in Elijah's life. In fact, after the verses I'm going to refer to in just a second, after those, after he kills the people, there's some verses we're going to talk about in a second. After those, he actually hears the voice of God on Mount Sinai, like Moses, who got the Ten Commandments. So God's still got a lot of work left to do with Elijah, but this whole killing the people, bringing down the rain, running for his life has just exhausted him. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 through 8, here's what happens. Elijah finds out that the queen is after him, and uh, he's on the run. And then finally he gets to a point where he says, God, I've had enough. Uh, Literally, he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. I mean, this guy is just exhausted from what he's been doing. And then verses I want you to kind of pay attention to say this. Then he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And as he was sleeping, an angel came by and touched him and said, get up and eat. And so he looked around, and miraculously there was some food right there beside him, and so he eats the food. Great verses in the Bible. Then he goes back to sleep. And then a little bit later, the angel of the Lord wakes him up again, and he eats again. And God comes to him and says, now that you've rested, now that you've eaten, there's more for you to do. Get up, you have a long journey ahead of you. And 40 days later, he finds himself on top of the mountain, talked to by God himself in the voice of a still small wind, but implied only because he was rested enough to be able to make the journey and be there where God could talk to him and begin to use him again. See, he had a lot of great things God wanted to do in his life, but he couldn't even do them if he wasn't rested enough for God to work in his life. He needed some margin in his life, and some of you need to rest. And I want to let you know it's perfectly okay from God's word to take a break every now and then. And if that's where you're at, husband, if that's where you're at, wife, take a break. And real quickly, some of you wives need to say to your husbands, I need you to take a break because he's waiting for you to tell him that. 
You're like the very one person he's trying to impress the most, that he's trying to get the most done for. And so some of you women today, immediately after service, need to grab your husband by the hand and say, take a break, you're working too hard. And some of you men probably need to do the exact same thing for your wife who works a job and still does a lot of the housework and still takes care of the kids more than you. She might just simply need a break. I need you to tell her after service today, it's okay for you to take a break. It's on me. The third thing I want you to consider is this in terms of creating more margin in your life. This one is kind of the simple one. I think it's easy to say, hard to do. It's okay to give God the load. It's okay to give God the burden, especially if it's like uh, an emotional uh, thing that you're struggling with. If you feel like you're kind of always got your minds on or your emotions are always at the edge, it would be good for you as a practice to figure out how to give those things to God. And Matthew chapter 11, here's what it said, and you've probably heard these words before. This is Jesus talking. He says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Doesn't that sound good if you could do that in life, learning the unforced rhythms of grace? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, Jesus says, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Some of us just need to learn how to live a little lighter. And you do that by giving those things over to God. On a real practical level, let me just tell you how I do it. You might do it differently, but in case you're feeling like this is something you want to do, but you don't know how, here's a way I do it sometimes. Sometimes when I get up in the shower in the mornings, the very first thing I do I get in the shower and I just kind of hold my hands up and I say, God, I got way too much to do today. I literally, I just stand there like this. Usually I don't have my clothes on. That's a good image for you. <laughs> and I just say, God, I, I, don't, I can't get it all done today. And not only the work I have to do, because that's usually what I'm thinking first. Uh, I, I want to spend more time with my boys and my girl and my wife. And I, I'm looking at my calendar, God. I don't even know how it's all going to work out. God, can you just help me? And I'll be honest with you. I don't even know how it works. But the days I do that are radically different from the days I don't. And the nights when I lay my head down on my pillow and I can't go to sleep and I've decided not to take Tylenol PN because I'm not trying to get addicted, what I'll do is I'll lay in bed and I'll do the same thing. I don't hold my hands up because I'm usually exhausted. And I say, God, I'm exhausted. I can't go to sleep. My mind will not turn off. Can you just take these thoughts from me? Just for like six hours, God, I need a break. And you'd be surprised, if you've never tried that before, how often God will just do that for you. Within minutes, you can be asleep. Some of you just need to rest on God. And I want to let you know he's big enough and strong enough, and he wants to do that. So I want to invite you to take out your Connect card, if you would, and I want you to consider taking a bold step this week. There are four options for you. Three of them them, uh, relate directly to what I was talking about today. One of them is just us getting ready for June 12th, and I want everyone who can to participate in the last one. But here's the first one. Maybe you need to take next bold step A, which relates with the very first thing I talked about today, which is maybe you're in a situation where you need to say no to some good things in order to pursue God's best for you. Maybe that's what you need to do. If that's you, mark that down, and maybe even make yourself a little note right there that says what it is, because you probably had a little hunch while I was talking about it a short list of things that you need to start saying no to in your life that you have a hard time saying no to. And maybe you need to mark next step B, which is this one. Maybe you just need to take a break. Maybe you need a rest for a season. Now, 
you shouldn't rest from here till the time Jesus comes back. Obviously, it didn't happen a couple weeks ago. But some of you just need... It'll get there. Give it a minute. Some of you just need to rest. And I want you to know I want you to rest. This church, myself, Ben, the rest of the staff and leaders here, we want you to rest. And if we're the ones keeping you from resting because you're serving too much here, let us know today via email and take a break. It's okay. And if it's not a church-related thing, if it's something else... Honestly, if you're doing more soccer and t-ball and football than you are church, you probably got your priorities out of line anyway. I would suggest you take a little break there before you take a break from church. One thing Amy and I decided is we'd much rather see our kids working hard, see us working hard in church and working with us than out on a baseball field three or four days a weekend. That's just a little free tidbit from Pastor Greg for those of you who had kids that are in sports. You might want to consider that, but take a break wherever it is you need to take a break. Or maybe C is for some of you. Maybe you need to stop trying to carry the load on your own and you just need to give it to God. Maybe you try the exercises I talked about or maybe you just try to find 30 seconds to one minute and spend some time in prayer and asking God in a very practical way to take the load off of you so you can just get some rest. And then finally, D, I'd love it if everyone did this, but honest to God, don't mark it if you're not serious. I'd love it if everyone in this room invited two people to come to church with them on June 12th. And here's why. I don't care a rat's uh, behind about growing our church. I really don't. We can be 600 till the day Jesus comes back, and I'm great. But I've got friends in my neighborhood. Really, they're not friends, they're just neighbors. I have people in my neighborhood who need to know about Jesus. I know they're lost and they're dying and going to hell. And not even just that reality, but their life right here on earth could be a lot better. And it's not because they don't have God active in their lives. And luckily, I work at a church, so I think most of my coworkers are fine. But some of you work in situations out in kind of the real world where you have coworkers who need to know about Jesus. And some of you have family who need more of Jesus in your life. And some of you know people who have Jesus in their life, but they go to crappy church. And this isn't one. This is a pretty good one. We're not perfect, but we're pretty good. We need all of those people in the greater Cincinnati area in our church. If you get them here, we will create capacity for them. We want this church to shake Cincinnati unlike it's ever been shaken. God's not done with Cincinnati because if he was, we wouldn't have this problem of people in our lives who aren't connected closely with him. I think God's been waiting for a church just like ours. No disrespect to the other churches that exist. I think God's been waiting for Four Corners to say, we're ready, God. We've got margin in our lives as individuals and as a congregation. Now do with us what you would. We're here for you to use. Let's pray. God, thank you for rhythms of grace. God, thank you that we are created to be hard workers and to accomplish tasks and to carry big loads. But God, also thank you that you set up for us a cycle, a pattern, even, even a model of rest. And so today, God, as we kind of get near to summer and teachers are busy and students are cramming and jobs are hectic, God, I ask that you let us know with clarity in our hearts and minds what kind of rest we need. Maybe, God, we need to say no to some good things so we can say yes to better things. God, for those of us that simply need to take a break this weekend, God, the minute service is over, give us rest. Tomorrow, let us not try to do anything at all besides rest and build a relationship with you and the people close to us. God, for those of us who carry things way too heavily, who have a hard time giving it up emotionally to you, 
God, I ask that you help us do that. Give us an understanding of how you work, how it is that we can literally, in a very practical way, give you our burdens. And God, I pray for our church, for the best that you have for us, for the next best thing to come. God, that you continue to lead us and use us to invite more and more people to be part of what you're doing here, to shake up Cincinnati, God, to bring more of you into the lives of our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. God, don't let us be selfish and don't let us get stagnant and don't let us be so scared that we can't make the ask. God, use us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.